This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. What a privilege being here. Hello everyone. Just uh, ask the person next to you pizza or burgers for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life if you have to choose. Okay, let's have a vote. Let's have a vote. Okay, who says, who says for the rest of my life, give me pizza? Who, say for the, who says for the rest of my life, give me burgers? Ladies and gentlemen, Shofar voted, they have spoken, it is pizza. Well, when, when we were worshiping, this connects with my message, I just felt the Holy Spirit just press on, on my heart that there's many people here who feel like when you come to the house of God or when you enter God's presence, it's, it's a spiritual thing, and you come to the table of God, it's like there's not a seat for you around the table. And, and sometimes you feel like everyone's got a place to sit and and thrive and be, but you're not sure whether there's a place for you. And so in your, in your heart, you maybe feel like you, you, you're just in the corner there. You've heard about Jesus and his love, and maybe you've been here for many years, and you hear it, but, but you're just there. And I want to tell you tonight that the lamb is pulling out a chair for you around the table. We're going to come back to this tonight. Amen. I just have a few photos there. I don't know, with a screen and all the shenanigans going on. Oh, it's up there. It's a photo of um, my little family. Say hi, Vanis family. Yes. They are with me in Cape Town. We've, we were on a camp this weekend with Hermanus in Somerset West. Last week, I spent some time with a congregation in Century City. And I want to tell you, you are part of a beautiful family. Amen. This is a... We're not going to spend time on this tonight, but some of you uh, who are new around here maybe came from high school. This is just one or two images um, from Survivor. Lately, I've, I've been known as Varys from Survivor, a Survivor pastor, master pastor, cult priest. There's uh, many, many names, but uh, uh, the first picture shows you why I'm, I'm just Varys with my family, and I love Jesus. Um, you know, part of a message for tonight, um, I was actually in unity with Sias when, when he just communicated one or two things that's happening around here. Um, and I shared this story when I was here with you guys. I don't know if that was last year or the year before. But there was one evening when we were on Survivor, and, and it was the first evening out there. And one of the ladies, she, she was making fire. She was putting... Um, sticks on the on the fire and there was a there was a fight between her and a, and a and a guy and this fight just went from first gear to second gear to third gear and it, it, it became tense now the man that was arguing with her he said I, I i'm a christian i go to church um, and he used to like sing uh, worship songs 
songs that you guys will know around the campfire and, and at the evening. So, I mean, I, I think he has a relationship with God. He's just growing and developing. But at that moment, not a very great representation of a church because as they were arguing, she had a different opinion to which he said at one moment, and it was like ice. He said, but you are not even saved. And her heart broke. I saw it. I was there in that moment. And when I spoke to her afterwards, she says, I don't mind Jesus, but I hate the church because that's how the church speaks to me, like this man just did. And I had to comfort her and say, I promise you, he does not speak for all of the church. And, and so I've been thinking a lot about who we are, like Sia said, being the church, what does it mean to be a healthy church? What does it mean to, to come in here and have a passion to go out? And do we sound like that man? I don't think we sound like that, but let's be aware of how the world hears, amen? This is just a picture of, of uh, the, if we go to the next one, that's the stands at the rugby club. Now, that's the church basically taking over the place, all those babies, they're babies in the church, they're running around now. But where we go, we go with love and then we take over. That's just how it works. Um, and so my heart has always been to be the church out there and, and to open the door, to pull out seats for people who thought that they're not welcome in the house of God or they're not loved or they're just not church people. You know what? God is calling people and the harvest is ready. Amen? So my meditations about church and, and being out there on Survivor and on the rugby fields and in the church, um, when, a few, when, when someone asked me a while back, do you want to stay a pastor? Do you want to be out there more permanently? God said to me on my heart, I don't know if that will be forever, but he said to me very clearly, you are a builder of my bride. And so that's what I will do. So I'm not a Survivor, but I'm a pastor. That's what I do. I love a church. Love the church. And so tonight, I want to share out of my life and out of my experience some reflex, reflections on church. And I want to share with you, it's very pointy, four things healthy believers believe. Just turn to the person next to you and say four things. Four things. Four things healthy believers believe about church. Four things healthy believers believe. You know, when I was 18 years old, I was in um, Wellington. I was, at, I was in school there, and I got to, yeah, Willis, the wax. I heard someone there. Amen, brother. I went to a little church, and I didn't plan this. I was very freaked out. It was a charismatic church. It was... It was wild, there was flags, there was people dancing, uh, people were singing strangely, making strange sounds. I'm like, what is going on here? But at the end of a service, I was on my knees, and I was crying, and I was shaking, because at that moment, God was pulling out a chair for me. And someone came to me and put their hand right here on my back, and they said, it is time to decide. (laughs) 
And in a way, it was the first touch of the body of Christ in my life. What a blessed hand. What a difference it made in my life. And I decided that day. But what happened before that is that a man came to my house most weekdays praying for me, wanting to share the gospel with me. He was a student back then, radically in love with Jesus. And when the doorbell would ring, I wanted him to go away because I did not want to give my life to Jesus. I felt his call, his invitation, but I had other plans for myself. You know, plans to hurt myself and mess it up nicely. We love it. And we hear him call, but we resist. But this man would come most days of a week, ding dong, ring the bell, and he would come in to my space and sit with me. And we'd talk about rugby, cricket and stuff, and then the question would come in, and how's it going with your relationship with God? And I would say, good, reading my Bible, making some notes. But when he was gone, I felt, Whew. Okay, breathing space. But he continued. I thought, I want to get away from this. Uh, when I played rugby at high school, my dad was very busy. He used to work. Guess who was next to the rugby pitch? It was him. He was there. Go, Varys. Tomorrow the doorbell will ring. And he, he knew what I was up to in my life. I was stuck in sin. But he persisted. He was there for me. And it led to that day on my knees. Isn't that amazing? I got on a bus, I got, I got baptized in Wellington the day before the first year's camp. Got on a bus, arrived in Worcester, I was a Worcester or Worcester. And I learned about the body of Christ, the church. I, I got off the bus, and, and here's the interesting thing. When I got off the bus, someone in Shofar told another person, a, a lady, that guy's going to be Primo Face Marie. And they saw me got off. Two and a half years later, the lady came to me. We were, wait, we were just waiting for God. When you got off the bus, this person told me this. It happened. The body of Christ was there when I arrived in Stellenbosch. We worshiped like tonight. Sometimes we were in high school, Stellenbosch. We were in TF Milan. At times, especially when we had relationship month. Do you still do that? Relationship week. We were sitting in the aisles. It was packed. And one pastor would preach and it would get to two hours in exam times. And he would say, listen, we can carry on next week. And we would say, no, carry on. And we would sit three hours, three and a half. I loved my new family, my church. Church was there for me. When I went to Secunda, there was 20 people there that loved Jesus that waited for me. The church was there. When I'm here, I feel like I'm home. The body of Christ, the church. A few things, four things healthy believers believe. When it was two o'clock in the morning and my son struggled to sleep, my wife was on the phone with someone. With who? The body of Christ. It's been with us since the first day. She's amazing. She's the bride of Christ. We are so privileged that we are a part of it and that God... It's pulling out the chair for each one of you. Isn't that amazing? I just want to pray and then I'm going to head into this. Lord, I want to thank you for every person that's here tonight, every single one, every heart, every gift. 
You have shaped and made the innermost parts of every person and you've built them outerly. Assembled their bones, their each body, intricately. And you've brought each one in and you're pulling out a chair. So let me make you a part of my bride forever. You're welcome, Holy Spirit, to speak to hearts in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to do a, a, four or five slides with a few scriptures just for an introduction. Then we're going to run into this. Jesus prays for his disciples and he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He goes on, he says, the glory that you've given me, I have given to them that they may be one. The word comes up again, as we are. One as the Trinity. One as the Trinity. I and them and you and me, that they may be, become perfectly one again, so that the world may know that you send me and love them, even as you have loved me. Jesus also says in John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The apostles picks it up. They heard what he said, shared it with one another, and we get the apostle Paul. He writes along the same lines. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Apostle John goes on, he says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in there is no cause for stumbling. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You see the oneness, the conversation of Jesus washing through the Bible, through the epistles. And just, if we think, oh, this is always rosy and everything's going great. Scripture's very, very open about some of the potholes we will experience. It says in Matthew 5, 23, if you're offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. First go and reconcile to your brother and then come to offer your gift. And Jesus is, is very open, very realistic. He says, you know what? There will be times when there will be a break of unity between you and a brother. When you sense that, go and repair it very quickly, is what he says. But scripture shows that this will happen. Another scripture, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, will that happen? Yes, it will. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Scripture is not silent. In Proverbs it says, There's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Whose words are often rash like sword thrusts? Mine and yours. Sometimes we hurt. We don't always collect what we say. And so sometimes there's a break in unity. So we should be one like him, like the Father, but sometimes we're not. And how do we bring all of us together? To be healthy in God. Four things I would love to share with you tonight. 
But once there was a woman, she was a woman of the night. Luke 7, 44. She came into the presence of Jesus and some people eating. And, and, and she brought her gift, expensive oil that she bought to her trade of probably prostitution. She was called a woman of the night. And she ministered to Jesus' feet. And one of the men, the owner of the house, Simon, he thought in his heart, you know, if Jesus knows this woman, how sinful she is, he would not let her touch him. He would not pull out a chair for her. If he knew who she was, he would, he would tip the chair over. All right, you're a good man. All right, you can sit. Oh, oh, here she comes. Let's tip the chair down. Look at what Jesus says to this man. Then turning towards the woman, he looks at the woman and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? He doesn't look at him. He looks at her. He says, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss, kiss my feet. Simon, when you look at this woman, you only see her sin. Look at her. Look at the woman. Behind her sin that you know of, there's a heart ready to receive me. Look at what she's doing. You're missing it. Someone came knocking at my door for about a year, looking, loving past my sin towards my heart. He knew what I did, but he didn't tip the, t- the chair over. He waited. He stayed. He prayed. In the same way, Jesus knew what this woman did, but he loved past her sin pulled out a chair for her. And this is a very important thing. Very important thing, because the first thing healthy churches believe is this. To reach the heart of the sinner, you have to love through the sin. You have to love through the sin. The same had to be done for you. Sometimes we hear in church, oh, you know, I don't want to go, you know, that church, that person is there and and they're they're a sinner. I want to tell you what, at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly, you, me, and all those sinners. Have your heart break for them. Have it break. Have your heart drop to the floor and love. Behind the sin that is so visible is a heart may be ready to receive Jesus. Healthy churches knows this. They believe it. Amongst the rows where the people are sitting, they know the harvest is ready. They know the harvest is ready. And so they pull out the chair. The day we lose this, we can close the doors. Jesus Christ can only save sinners. Sometimes their sin is more public Sometimes it's hidden. And at this moment, I I just want to maybe speak pastorally. If you've been pushed out by a church, when you came, the chair was tipped over. Mm -mm. Maybe, Maybe it was your experience for a while, even here. We can do that. We can make mistakes. I just want to say, sorry. 
Sorry that you had to face that. Because as you walk into the presence of Jesus, he pulls out a chair for you. If you also want to wash his feet and adore him. Amen. Healthy churches believe this. Build on this. Put gas on the fire. Love the world. Not in the way of do not love the world. Love the sinners. Like Christ came to die for the world. Go for it. Go on missions. Go and love the people that worships idols. That puts out food for their gods. Go and love them. God will use you there. Amen. Psalm 4 verse 3. I'm going on. I hope not to be long tonight. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. Who has set you apart for his service? Did see us do it? No. Did your small group leader set you apart? Your grandpa that was a missionary? No. Praise God for grandpas like that. Let me tell you who set you apart. God himself. Jesus speaks to Peter. I say, and he says, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's just fix a few things here tonight. What you need to know about God and his church is that he is building the church, and he's building the church with you. Listen carefully. He is building the church and you are the brick. He takes you off the pile of bricks and he sets you apart where he wants you to be. You know, when I came here, I told you we're worshiping in this place. We're sitting there. I'm loving church. We're having such amazing times together. And, And one night, God asked me, In my heart, I was in my room. And I remember this. He says, do you love your home? Your spiritual home? I said, of course, I love the place. It's amazing. It's amazing to be a part of this. He says, are you doing it for me or or for people? I said, of course for you, Lord. I love my home and, and and I'm worshiping you there. It's about you. And at one point, Something happened when I was a student. I made a mistake, messed up in a way, and, and, and I'm not going to share the details, but there, there was a story, there was a thing, I received a harsh letter, and I was like, oh man, I felt rejected by a certain part of my church, of my community, right? It happens, whether my heart was right or wrong, that's what I felt, rejection. I felt it, I felt judgment. That was a very important week in my life because that Sunday got to five o'clock and I heard the voice say again, are you going to church? I asked you, are you going for me or for the people? (laughs) Now I'm confronted with something here. You know what I did? Put on my clothes, took my Bible and went to my church. Said, I'm doing it for you. You 
have decided to build me in this place. I will go. A few weeks later, it was a non-issue anymore, but it was a fork in the road. You will have those. You will have those. Let it be known. Remember this conversation. I went back to my home. I want to ask you, who is the one that sets you apart? It's no one sitting here. It's no one in the band. It is God. And so the second thing, healthy churches or healthy believers, you are the church, right? Believers are following. That faithfully loving people in this place begins with knowing you are called by God. If you faithfully want to love and serve people, you must know you're not doing it because of them or for their praise or approval. Unto you, Lord. Almost 20 years later, my emotions have gone up and down, but never once have I thought of removing myself out of a place my God has placed me. And through the seasons, emotions might have come and go, but God's presence has been there all along. And here I am to say, I love the body of Christ. I love my family. Amen? Who is setting you apart? We're going on. Oh, I'm going to offend people with this. Yes. But I am leaving for Secunda, and I am leaving you here. If you have any problems... Um, here is Sias. <laughs> Two men went up to the temple, to the church, to pray. This is a story Jesus tells. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other man extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Every man who says to God, I deserve this chair. I give tithes, I sing songs. This is my chair. I don't know about those people over there. But this is my one. Let it be known. The one who thinks he can claim his chair by his life does not have one in the kingdom of heaven. The one who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Lord, I do not deserve a chair in your house based on my life. Here you go. On my life, you deserve a chair. I will give you one. What does this mean for healthy churches? And here's where I'm going to offend you. 
for a moment, and I just want to apologize so long. We hear this, you know, I don't want to go to a church with hypocrites, you know, I, I want to go to a church where, where you know, uh, where there's no hypocrites and stuff, and um, we've heard, who's ever heard something like that? I don't want to go to that church, they're hypocrites, come on, be honest, hands up. Yes, okay, a lot of you. I want to tell you why it's important that you worship with hypocrites. It's important that you worship with hypocrites because that means you are also welcome. That means you are also welcome. And I am also welcome. You know what? Most mornings I pray, I say, Lord, will you, will you, I want to be a better husband today, Lord. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to proclaim, you know. I'm going to be a better husband today. You know what happens most evenings? I repent, Lord. For not being a great husband today. I'm the first hypocrite. I want to do it. I said it. You say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to eat well this year and I'm going to exercise. You're not. You said it. Be happy that hypocrites can worship our gracious God. Because you are also one and so am I. What should this Pharisee have said in that moment? Let's imagine the man, the sinner there, that takes taxes from the people. Let's just imagine that he really actually stole from from the Pharisee. Let's just imagine he, he didn't. It's a story. Jesus made it up. But let's imagine the sinner actually stole from the Pharisee and his family and, and, and hurt his family in some way. Let's imagine that happened. And here he comes, the Pharisee, and he sees a man that wronged him, and he sees a man beating his chest before God. What should he have said? Something like this. Lord, how long is your arm to save sinners like that man and me? How long is your arm? How gracious is your love to save and reach sinners like that man and me? Forgive me also my sins. Let me beat also my chest for my own sin. Please also forgive me. That's the point of this little story. The third thing healthy churches believe is that worshiping with hypocrites means there's grace for you to be happy. Okay? Be happy. A spirit-filled community, when they, when they see these sins and, 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 and we are all, sometimes we run out of patience for ourselves, you know what we do? We press deeper into his love. Yes, Lord, clean me out. Clean, clean us. We're ready to grow. Amen? Last one for tonight. Just tap the person next to you and say, you hypocrite. <laughs> okay, don't go on with the insults. We can stop there. You can stop there. Psalm 139, listen up. You formed my inward parts. 
And you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. He made your inward parts. Isn't that amazing? But then look at verse 15. Even my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. God knows you inside and out. Inside. That's a thought. That's a thought. He knows you. He made your spirit man or your soul, your inward part to fit how you look, your elbows and your height. He did both. He knows you so well. And the scripture goes on to say, he says, you are God's workmanship. He built you, he assembled you. In his heart and with his hands, he assembled you. And you created in Christ for good works. There's certain works created for you, but let me tell you what, there's certain works not created for you also. And God knows. And let me tell you something, the church knows as well. They know. God helps them to help you know. Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says, He gave you apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, all these gifts. Then it goes on to say that we may no longer be children. God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to be strong in who you are, inside and out. No longer like children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness, deceitful schemes. God wants you to be steadfast. He wants to help you grow. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. How? One of the ways. Speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Who will speak the truth in love? Look around you. It is them who will help you grow up in every way. And God has given many gifts, but how will you know? How will you find that place where, you know, sometimes you run and you don't have your groove, and then at one stage, you're like, okay, this is how it feels to run like I should run. This is who I am in the Spirit. Who is going to speak the truth to you consistently over a long time until you know? Church. And sometimes we don't like what they say. And I'm, I'm sorry, I always have to use this example. It's just the best. You know, you come for an audition here. You're like, I know how God has made me. My grandma said, I, you know, I can really sing. And, and I said, amen. And God has spoken. I dreamed once that I would sing. Amen. And you came to church. And then James said, uh-uh. You know what? You have other gifts. And uh, we don't like to hear that. You know, because we, like, we, we have to accept that some of us are prison singers, right? We, we're, always, we're always a bar behind. We never have a key, you know? <laughs> so I will find myself another church. 
You were just at the moment to realize, you were just at the moment to grow up. Hey, my calling is not to sing. You were right there. So, Lord, what is there? Is it, is it, what, what did you put in me? But just before you get there, I'm finding another church. These people, there's no love for me, telling me I can't sing. And it's exactly what we do. Singing is just funny to laugh about. But we're all not called to do the same thing. The church will help you find your place. And you will start to grow. You thought it was singing, but then when you search longer and deeper, you realize you really, really love the poor. And now lives are being changed because you are putting yourself out in the works that he prepared for you before the foundation of the world. But you, you have to go through the process where your church press you and speak with you when they say no and when they say yes. I am not here, Lord, for their opinion. I'm here for you that are helping me. So this is hard to hear, but I will stay and I will grow. Until I am mature. Year by year, month by month, taking my space where you have placed me. Surely I have a chair in the house of the Lord. Amen. The last thing I want to say for tonight, there's more things healthy churches believe, all right? This is for tonight. With godly community, you discover your shape. Who has shaped you? God. Inside out. Who sets you apart? God. Who places the lonely in family? God. Who create a place where you fit, where people can speak? It is Him. And you are at the healthy place tonight. I can say, because 20 years later, here I am. Here I am. Amen. I want to finish off for us. Can we, can we stand tonight in this place? Can we stand up and just grab a hold of what God has for us tonight? You know, some of you here, you, you, it's like you, you're sensing God is calling you and it's, it's, it's right there, but you just have that last objection because if the enemy can distract you to find your place, if he could distract me when I had that fork in the road, when I was a student, where would I be today? I can tell you now, with a lot of sin and making many mistakes and having to say sorry, I can tell you well and truly that I am walking in the way that God has prepared for me. And I desire the same for you. Don't let an opportunity pass you by. Some of you have to believe there's a place for you and by faith, you have to take hold of it tonight and you have objections. But, but I've messed up too much. You don't know what I've done. I've, I've, I've done bad things and, and I know my life. I know what I do. Oh. When, when no one is looking and what I think, and surely, I want to I just read something for you, if we can go to that last slide. It's the one who knows that he does not deserve a seat with an honest heart present himself 
to Jesus that gets the seed. Why? Because he was despised and rejected. Man of sorrows, acquainted with grief as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised. God took his chair that day, turned his back so that you may have one. Isn't that amazing? Surely he has borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was pushed out of the town. There you go on a cross. So that you can be brought near. Our Savior. He was pierced for our transgressions. You don't have to punish yourself. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.